0: Guys, welcome to another exciting episode of the Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Master Chris Polarki, fifth-degree black belt in traditional taekwondo, and I'm joined today by another awesome guest. Uh, you guys are going to be blown away by who I bring on next, you may have come across him in your time on social media. Uh, before we go any further and I introduce my next guest, please hit that like, follow, or subscribe button located somewhere on your screen. Uh, this person needs really no introduction. Uh, without further ado, McDojo Life. Welcome to the Mastery Podcast, man. Thank you so much for being on today.
1: What up, man? And thank you for being patient while I was trying to get my coffee. <laughs> i was
0: have to start without it. No, I totally understand that, man. No worries. No worries. So um, if some people probably know, some people don't uh, try to make this as apparent to any audience that any audience or any listener that's getting on. But you run a social media page, essentially, that exposes fake martial artists, which If you're hopping into any industry, there's really three things you can do. You can either be first, you can be the best, or you can be different. I feel like you've got all three of those categories covered here. So what what inspired you to get into this business of uh, exposing the uh, fake martial artists in our community?
1: Yeah, man. Um, It actually will.
0: Before I started
1: McDoja Life, I had already been doing martial arts for a very long time. I started when I was 12 years old. And by the time I started jujitsu, I was already a third degree black belt in two other styles. And uh, my goal before I die is 10 black belts before I before I pass. Wow. And I was like, in order to do that, I might want to get on the ball with one of the arts that takes the longest, which is jujitsu. Jujitsu right. takes forever. It could take anywhere between, you know, somebody like BJ Penn, like three and a half years to like somebody like me, which would be like 45, 50 years. <laughs> ahead, right? So I was at the time a striking coach at a jiu-jitsu academy. And I was also somebody who helped with their kids classes. And I also helped with their front desk work. So I was kind of the jack of all trades. Gotcha. And uh, one day I got a call during a noon class that the instructor wasn't going to be able to make it in because he wasn't feeling well. And uh, the dude never calls in sick, so I know he was sick. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll take over. And uh, I, taught, I taught the class that day, arm bar, triangle choke, transition between the two, and then we sparred. But it was a noon class, so a lot of those guys um, either are self-employed or, you know, they had the day off, things like that. So we all stood around, and we were just chit-chatting after class was over, and the subject of McDojos came up, which has been a term that's been around longer than I've been even born. That's, that's been a term forever. Right. And so I uh, we all talked and then everyone left except for one guy. One guy stayed behind. He It was only his second class ever. Um, so he did the trial class and this is like his first official student class. Right. And he was like, hey, man, I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know what a McDojo is. <laughs> did you like explain? And I was like, yeah. So I kind of explained to him what's now become the the basis of the five rules of the page. And um, he was like, ask me a very basic, simple question. He said, how come no one doesn't, how come there's no one that does anything about that? Mm. And I was like, started thinking about it. And I was like, it kind of hit me. I was like, that's a simple question, but I was like, it's a very deep answer because there is no regulating body to the martial arts industry. Absolutely. Anyone can just open up a school and call their school, you know, Steve's karate and all you can eat Kung Fu Emporium, you know, and then they could just open it up and they could just do whatever they want right so i went home that night and i just couldn't stop thinking about it it was like in my head like a a song that gets stuck in your head right and i saw i started to research that night i couldn't really sleep and the next day i was like after doing some research i realized the only thing at the time that was around was something called bullshito forums Mm. and it wasn't really doing anything about it all it was really doing was people complaining and most of those people complaining were complaining about the stupidest crap Right. Like how long it takes to get a belt or how good someone is or skill right. and things like that. They were completely missing a lot of the real issues, like the fact that there's a record number of pedophiles in the martial arts industry. Hmm. Or the fact that people have been physically assaulted, stalked, abused, killed, hmm. extorted, I mean, shot. Like there is, it gets right. so dark yeah. that it's amazing that the industry will complain about how much someone's classes cost. Right. but they won't call out the pedophile across the street. Mm. So I was like, maybe we need to really do something about this. So the next day I started a make dojo Life.
0: Wow. And now 10 years, you've been running this page for 10 years from, from what I read. You were recently on this magazine. I got an opportunity to feature um, in here with you uh, shortly after your feature, but I want to show everybody uh, you're on the sixth issue of uh Deadly on survival magazine. Uh, thank you to uh, Sheehan uh, Ingram for posting us. And you're right here in this spread. You got a couple of pages in here, man. It looks great. I won't show everybody everything. Get them, it them is know. a good looking magazine. You know,
1: what's funny, too. And not to like to get, not to, you know, brag or anything. But the truth is, is I picked up Black Belt magazine the other day on the shelf. Right. And it's very comparable. You know, for a magazine that I've never, I had never heard of. And then they contacted and they were like, Hey, we'd like to do something, uh, a story on you. I was like, absolutely. And I was expecting something like cheesy or cheap, and when I got it in, I was like, damn, this is really well done.
0: This is legit, right? I had the same sort of thing you did. I got a phone call on the Carlin day and I was like, oh, this is kind of, this is really like the, the real thing. And then you check it out, you do all your research and, and all that stuff. But um, congratulations to being featured in here. I, I know that's a big thing. Um, and I, I'm personally a fan of, of your work. Why do you think that your work is important?
1: Um, I think at the end of the day, there there's not a lot of people really looking out for this industry. The industry itself is very self-imploding and toxic. And -hmm. I'll give you an example. So I went to something called SHOT Show. And regardless of what people feel about firearms, um, that's not really the point. But at SHOT Show, it's one of the biggest gun industry events that there is. And when I went there, they tell you before you go. It's like a week-long event. And they tell you before you go, even with that amount of time, even being there for a week, you will not see every booth. It is so big wow. that there is no way you can actually stop and talk to everyone. And so they tell you to map out your like your trip. They say, hey, just make sure you mark all the booths you wanna to go to, have a game plan on what you wanna see and all that good stuff. Right. So I went and I was blown away by how big and organized and how much money was put into it. But then it hit me, the martial arts super show, which is our industry's biggest event, right. is not even close. Not even like 10% of what SHOT Show is. right? And the, the, the real thought was, is like, well, martial arts has been around longer than guns. Right. <laughs> like, We're not talking just a little bit of time. We're talking like thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. And people have been throwing hands long before we invented guns, man. Right. Before, before a dude even figured out how to throw a rock. Right. <laughs> we were punching <laughs> people in the face. Oh, this and stuff. so I thought about it. I was like, why is our industry not as big? And mm-hmm. then it really hit me as like the 2A industry there is infighting like any other industry but when it comes down to like 2 a rights they'll band together and work together right martial artists don't do that if a guy across the street does a style you don't do it's amazing how many people will talk trash about that guy and what we forget is a lot of martial arts instructors project their own insecurities onto their students Mm -hmm. and so a student comes in and says hey man i want to lose some weight Some instructors would be like, nah, man, if you don't fight, you're not legit. Like he doesn't want to fight. He wants to lose weight. Why why are you pushing that on to him? Or like somebody just wants to have a mentor, you know, and then they go in there. They want to work out and have fun and just enjoy it. And I think fun is a big one that keeps missing people. Like that's just as important as any of the other stuff. Yeah. But yet there are so many people in this industry who will basically point fingers at everyone who's not them and call it garbage. Meanwhile, those other people are doing the same. Right. And so that's very toxic. I think that by doing what I do, what we're what I'm really trying to accomplish here is if we can all focus our energy on the things that really matter, that really impact our community, maybe we can make it better. You know, maybe we can stop this petty bullshit. Sorry, maybe we can stop the petty BS about like people arguing so much about semantical crap that doesn't matter. Maybe we'll have less pedophiles in this industry, maybe we'll have less abuse, maybe we'll have less con artists. Because we as a community are now protecting it instead of being so divided.
0: Right. Well, that's a that's a beautiful uh, way to break that down too. And it, again, I've not had I've had many martial artists on the show, and I haven't had yet anyone, and which is why I specifically reached out to you. And I've been, like I said, a big fan of all your stuff that you post, and uh, very comical too. I've watched you kind of get into get into it on the lives, and hey, you want to get on, you know, I'll talk with you. And you you certainly live up to what you say. Um, you know, so the people that get called out essentially, you know, take offense that you call them out in the first place. But if you're looking at some of this stuff, a lot of it is like how. <laughs> It's not even realistic, right? In the world that you and I both live in, like it sounds good when you write it as a story for a movie, but yeah, sure. in reality, you're going to get somebody killed. What was the guy that was um, he was trending for a little while, he was a police officer or something like that, and he was teaching these kind of crazy techniques, yeah, yeah. So it was like, you know, I, I don't call anyone out, but you know, I'm, lo- I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work. Like, I don't, <laughs> and I'm sure you went like way further into detail than that because there are thousands and thousands of, of posts that you've done. Um, but I've, I've seen the, the exchanges, like you really walk the walk with these people and make sure that you kind of oust them in, in essence. I, I wonder what you think about what the importance is of being a good instructor and not just a good instructor, but being an advocate for the community, this particular community for sure well i think
1: that the key to being a good instructor is to put your ego aside and not care about what your goals are but to care about what your students goals are right. and i'm a big advocate for students obviously making sure that they're going to safe environments and they're being treated right there is a lot of cult-like behavior in the martial arts industry and it's a fine line i'll be honest like it's a really hard line to walk as an instructor yeah you have, you're automatically in a position of power the moment you open your doors Because when someone comes to you, one, they have to admit that they have no clue what they're doing, right, or they have to, or if they have experience, they have to at least admit to become one of your students that you're better than them in some way or can help them reach their goals. And so you automatically start at this position of power of authority over your students right off the bat. And if you look like I'll give you like an example of how close cult like behavior is to martial arts industry. So like. Look at a Catholic mass. Now, I'm not a religious person myself, but uh, my best friend every year we go to Catholic mass for midnight mass for Christmas because that's what his family wants. And that's like my extended family. So I always go. Right. But we get all dressed up, look good. We wind up going to Catholic mass. And I noticed over the years of doing it that there's a lot of similarities between a Catholic mass and going to a martial arts facility. Like the first one, right? Sometimes when you walk in, depending on the the particular church you go to, sometimes there's some holy water there, and you do like the anointing thing. I don't know exactly what it's called, right? And then you're allowed to walk forward. Right. Well, some martial arts schools they make you bow at the door, correct? Um, so okay, so that's like the equivalent, but it's just like that that church thing because not all churches have that. <laughs> so and not all martial arts schools require that. Right. So okay, you move forward, and then when you go to a Catholic mass, there's like a pew. And so when you get to the pew, a lot of people take a knee and they do the same thing and they go on. Well, that would be like our mats, right? You bow before you get on the mat. Yep. And then you have one figurehead who's at the front of the room and everyone else is at the other end of the room. One person is getting information. The other people are receiving the information. All right. That's similar behind someone who's teaching a mass is usually a stained glass, a statue or a picture of Jesus Christ, right? right? Behind a martial arts instructor is usually a picture of their instructor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, so, and then what do we do right we, we bow and stuff like that at right. the end of a martial arts class everybody shakes each other's hands usually there's some kind of like respect given to each other right. well during a catholic mass there's a, a spot where you stop and you stand up and you look around at people and you shake each other's hands please hey nice to meet you right yep. That's so true. what i've noticed is the only real difference between a cult a religion and martial arts is the intent of the leader Hmm. so in order to be a good instructor you really have to recognize these differences right a martial arts class the goal of the instructor is to better their students through the medium of martial arts whatever their goals are you're using martial arts to help them get there right a goal of a, a religion whatever the religion is should be to better the disciples through the use of religion as the medium right the goal of a cult is to make whoever's in charge of the cult bigger, better, stronger, faster, the person who's getting all the reward. Right. So if you have a martial arts school and you're helping your students, you're a good instructor. If you have a martial arts school and the only person that's getting benefit is you, you're running a
0: cult. Right, right. That's very interesting. And also to convert and retain that membership, right? There's, there's sure. those two big factors, which you can see in many different places like a gym, But those are like the, those are, I think, some of the, those are great, great uh, parallels that you make. And it's really odd because yesterday, I forget what time in the afternoon, I literally thought about the comparison. I said, what's the difference? I'm literally just walking in my house. I'm just walking like, there's really no, there's really not much of a big difference. Martial arts is almost like a religion in and of itself. And that's not the first time I've thought about it that way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when when people, like, even when people come in the door, right, and I've gotten, you know, hundreds and hundreds of messages from so many different people that I've taught throughout the years. I've easily taught 10,000 people in my lifetime. Um, and when people tell you how you make them feel, it's like, kind of going into that Jesus Christ sort of aspect, that Reiki energy feeling, right? Like you made me feel, you know, like when you have a big class, which I'm sure you're more than familiar with, like you have to be emotionally intelligent. You got to be able to notice the guy that's getting ready to drop dead or the person that's in the back rolling their eyes. And you got to sort of like figure out how to get all that going while still, you know, maintaining the quality of the classroom, but, you know, making them want to come back right to you for the information, even though you may have done front kick with them yesterday. It's not going to be any different today, you know. But you know, it sort of is depending on which instructor comes to the class, right? Yeah. So, or there, are the the mood of the student, the mood right.
1: of you, you right. know. Right. It, it's it's one of those things where I think where a lot of instructors. Fail themselves, not fail their students because the intent is not to fail their students. They go above and beyond for their students, but they require so much more of themselves because the students are asking them to be that thing that they're not. So, like, sometimes people think that you're going to be their dietitian. It's like, I'm not a registered dietitian. You're asking the wrong guy. Sometimes (laughs) people think that you're going to be their strength and conditioning coach. I'm not certified to do that. Sometimes people think that you're going to be their psychologist. Right. Like, I'm sorry you have problems at home and I'll do the best that I can to help you. But at the end of right. the day, you need to see somebody who's a professional. Right. So all this pressure is put on martial arts instructors to be something they're not. Right. But what's weird is we would never do that for any other job. You Correct. would never go to a cashier right. right, at a Walmart and be like, hey, man, I had a rough day. You got five seconds to talk. That would be weird. You <laughs> right. never do right. that. And so right. I think that martial arts instructors are either put on a pedestal or instructors feel they have to live up to this image that students have created of them instead of just being real about the situation. the situation is very simple. You're providing a service in exchange for pay or non-for-profit, right? That's it. That is absolutely it. People want it to be this bigger, better, bolder thing. And it can, it can for the individual. The individual can have these deeper meanings and experiences, right? It's up to us to teach them how <laughs> it's up to the individual to
0: find out the why, yeah. That's all them. I totally, I totally resonate with that. Um, I, I feel like, however, <laughs> there, what we teach, um, and I primarily teach taekwondo, I also I teach haikido and boxing here. Um, and I run, you know, I'm independent of anybody else, I do my own thing, hold the wall in Belleville, New Jersey. So, uh, CMTKD, but uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and really, I feel like through the pandemic, I really got an understanding. Because, you know, they give you the master rank and, you know, I'm like, that's cool. But like my, more important for me is am I living up to that by every week? Am my main, because, you know, maintaining your rank is a lot harder than getting it. And it. Somebody said that to me a while ago. And I was like, yeah, you know, like this is years and years before I got my Black Manal. So, you know, like, yeah, it's much harder to, it's much harder to do that, you know, to maintain it than it is to acquire it. But For sure. when they you, know they call it the black belt belly. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get that black belt and then you're like, ah, I like these sandwiches. <laughs> exactly, yes, exactly. So it's like, you know, you have to and you're walking around and you're actually seeing right a lot of the times you see even with that example there, you actually start to understand functionally why you're you can't have a belly and be effective, right, with self-defense, because it's in the way. You can't lean back and kick if that thing is there, right? So it's like you know, it, Plus, you're the image, right? You're the first thing that people. I'm the only instructor here, so mm-hmm. I have to keep myself a particular way. And whether I'm, con- whether I'm going on vacation or or whatnot, I got to be conscientious of you know my image now, not just you no know, hygiene and all that other stuff. But am I be- am I preaching something which I've always been big about? I don't want to be hypocritical, right? When I teach, if I'm teaching something, that means I did it that day, or. I, you know, have done it a million more times than everybody else, but I wanted to wind uh, sort of back to something that you had touched on that I think really hit a nerve for me, which is the amount of pedophiles you say are in the martial arts community. Can you speak a little bit more on that? Because I know for myself, I didn't know that there was, there were as many pedophiles in this community as, and I've been doing martial arts three decades. I mean- Talk to me. I
1: do news stories every week. I call it McDojo news. And what I try to do anyway is I try to find news that's about the martial arts industry, whether it's good, bad and different. But it's about martial arts and it's newsworthy stuff. We're not talking about like local hero wins like MMA championship, like not like that kind of stuff, but stuff that's different. And just excuse me, I have it right here. Um, Just the last couple days. So this is just from the last week. All right, just to give you an example of what's going on in the martial arts industry. Former UFC fighter charged with second-degree murder after Laval home invasion. Next, Hampshire Children's Entertainer and Martial Arts Instructor jailed for a string of child sex offenses. Martial arts instructor accused of sexually abusing 13-year-old boy after parents see messages calling him babe. She billed for bogus karate school students in South Florida, now she's a convicted felon. Former national wushu athlete claimed trial to 10 counts of sexual assault of a minor. That is literally just yesterday. Wow. That's disturbing. So, really yeah, disturbing. it is right. And again, this is why I'm a little blown away by why people have this petty infighting in martial arts, especially online, but online's online. But they have this petty infighting about the stupidest things. Right. Uh, like, but they'll ignore these stories. Not, like people, people will share all kinds of news stories, right? But then when it comes to this stuff, for some reason, they get real tight-lipped. If you type in next week in Google and Google search, martial arts arrested, karate arrested, Taekwondo arrested, I can almost guarantee you, you will find that there was a martial arts instructor who molested a child. And so I think... One of those things is is that martial arts gives you this automatic position of power whenever you're the instructor. Yes. And so obviously people who are pedophiles are going to want to be around children. And so going to a job that allows them access to that is good, but for them anyway, for their weird needs. But it also is one of those things where people give this weird amount of trust. Like I see behind you tenants, right? Yes. Yes. Um, There we go. Those aren't necessarily true. I mean, it's something that we can strive to, but we just a lot of people who've never done martial arts automatically assume the instructor has these right. integrity and honor and respect and that's true. I mean, that's not true. That's not true at all. Right. And so, because but because people have this perceived notion of what martial arts is when they walk in the first time, they just automatically give all those virtues to the instructor right. before getting to know them. And right. That's when you have stuff like this happen. So I wish it wasn't the case. I hate covering these stories. I absolutely hate it. But I think that it's important to show the world that it's happening. Because what I hope is going to happen is if I get a big enough reach and impact, that people will start to second guess what they're doing, look in a little deeper about their instructors, make better decisions about when they go to a martial arts facility, not just dropping off their kids and running away and leaving their kids alone with someone they don't
0: know. That's crazy. I have kids. I have three. So, and then I train all three of them here. You know, my oldest son is a black belt. My, my uh, youngest son is a green belt, blue belt. And my daughter is just kind of getting her, getting her start with me. And she's, I've been, uh, every of it's mandatory in my house to some degree. Like, like I say, every subject, right. We have to, if in every academic subject, we have to learn like a certain amount, right. In order to sort of like fly into life. Why shouldn't you have a little bit of self-defense in your background? especially seeing as how I'm in the basement, right? So it's like, it's scary because, you know, I'm not, I'm very, martial arts has made me very aware and I and I really put these tenants up behind me because they are a reminder for me when I walk in here to make sure that that's going on off the mat. I always talk about what's going on off the mat here because of course I can do everything and teach you kicks and punch. Anybody can do that. I tell people that's not what makes this place different. It's the message behind why I'm teaching you what I'm teaching you. Is multi-purpose, so it's not a sales salesmanship presentation. It does help, right? Of course, we don't do <laughs> that as instructors and keeping it real because we're doing the same thing here. It does help sell, but this was given to me by someone, and that was given to them by someone, and that was given to them by the founder. My teacher, who's over there in the far corner, Grandmaster Kim, uh, who's a ninth-degree black belt, uh, was an actual student and bodyguard to General Choi, like the actual founder. He travels on the ITF demonstration team like, big deal but again you said something important within the mix of all that because now martial arts isn't even our conversation it's who is the person behind the belt for sure that's really huge because so many people like you say get awestruck and you're like oh wait I don't get caught up in what makes this place different so much I'm like come take a class because that's going to speak more just take a class because I'm not going to sit there and talk to you for 20 minutes. I can, as but then I have a podcast for that, <laughs> so you can <laughs> you can listen to that. But then you can see what the difference is here. You see that I'm interested, and especially having my own children, like I'm interested in making sure that this place is a, always a safe haven for people. If you want to leave them for an extra half hour, I'm going to treat them the same way I would treat you know my own children. So you don't have to worry about that. But you know, it's like it's flabber. Flab- I'm flabbergasted at how many people don't know that this is going on because none of this is mainstream. I speak about this often uh, making the difference. And now I feel foolish because I always talk about boxers making it into the news for domestic stuff. And we get (laughs) in trouble at the bars a lot more. That's what's like, you know, put into the mainstream. But as like, you know, you oftentimes don't hear martial arts, like 50 degree black belt, 60 degree black belt getting into fights, but that's you, they are right. They're doing other things that aren't being Push to the front is your goal to try to make it, try to sign a bigger spotlight on these guys, and just sort of get them ousted so people can be absolutely. I and yeah. you
1: know it's it's a really fine line because right. I, at the end of the day, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily trying to ruin their life. Right, that's not the point. Right. It's actually not about them at all. At all. Yeah. At yeah. all yeah. It has nothing to do with them other than the fact that their instructors in a position of power who have done some really ruthless, dirty, and egregious yeah. things. It's about the students, right? I want to give students the information that way they have as much information that they can in order to better make a a more educated decision when they go into a school. So when they go into the martial arts school and they know that, for instance, David Arnbeck, who's a second degree black belt under Hicks and Gracie, he molested a 15 year old girl in his home. He pled guilty to molesting a 15 year old girl in his home. And that plea deal that he took allowed him not to be put on a sex offender registry. And so because of that, he still runs three martial arts schools today. What? Called Cove MMA. And so he's just one example. I mean, you can look at other places like a, a story called dojo pizza and dojo pizza was a pizzeria slash dojo, which kind of sounds like a novelty, but what he was basically doing was he was using the pizzeria to give underprivileged children food was his original thing. Right. And everybody in the community loved this dude. Meanwhile, he was giving free classes to underprivileged kids, kids as well. And then slowly but surely, he started grooming the children and the parents, and he, he started to get the parents to sign off to allow him to have custody, custody of these kids. So he wound up having custody of like eight different kids that he, he had these parents sign off their rights to.
0: Yeah. He,
1: they were living on site, which is, was in dilapidated conditions.
0: Yeah.
1: A parent who was actually a paying member had showed up one day and noticed that the building was a little destroyed. Right, so right. she winds up calling the city about this because I guess he wasn't fixing it. Right. When, when the build, building inspector comes in, he's allowed in every room. Right. So he winds up going and he winds up seeing guns, just firearms just kind of laying about in quarters where children would be.
0: Right.
1: And so she winds up calling or the building inspector calls the police. Police come in to raid the building for unsafe conditions. And when they discovered that on his laptop, he had been molesting every one of those kids for a very long time. Wow. And so they found child pornography, all kinds of stuff. If you look up the story, it's absolutely insane. Um, it's called Dojo Pizza.
0: Dojo pizza. Okay, shout out to Dojo Pizza. That's um that's really sick. This is like I know we it's like the dark the dark alleys of kind of what we do, and you know, we we're, we're again in those positions of power that you talk about. Again, going back to sort of even that that um analogous reference to church, right? Like be, being in that position, you know, walking into anywhere, right? Where, where you're don't have the information. You don't have any information. You don't have any say practically. Right. The only thing you can do is give that person your money and your time and trust automatically sort of like shifts, right? Like I'm going to have to, if I want to learn something, this person clearly knows something. And then it's, it seems like it's, power is very corruptible, right? Like, you know, people are right. So it's like, I haven't seen it as often as you have in my personal life, but I always have a good sense, or at least I feel like I do, of who's in front of the room. I can tell I'm always very skeptical anyway, um, but it's, it's really saddening to hear that there's so many of these kinds of stories out there. Like, you know, you're putting kids in positions where they're supposed to be looking up to you and you're taking full advantage of them psychologically, right. And physically, which is just sickening. Um, But it's, I don't even really even know what to say that, but I want you to continue doing your work on that. Thank um, you. and uh, yeah, it's, it's great stuff. What you're doing is absolutely phenomenal. I really do appreciate um, what, I, what I've been seeing. I didn't notice a lot of those things. I, I think I saw something on Kane Velasquez from the UFC. I'm not really sure what the full story uh is on that. I have to do some dig deeping, but I uh, I think you have it on your page. I'll check it out. Um, yeah, I, wanted to, I, wanted to, I wanted to circle back to you in terms of um, how you got your start in the martial arts as well. <laughs> you give us like sort of a, a, a short synopsis of. What happened? I read what happened in the mag, but I was going to let you uh, let you sort of take it from there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, when I was a kid, you know, when I was born, I was born with a cleft lip and palate. So I have scars on my face. And when I was going through school, I was picked on and teased Mm -hmm. uh, mercilessly. Um, And then one day in eighth grade, it kind of came to a head where a group of kids jumped me outside a gym. Uh, they stabbed me. I actually still have like pencil lead marking in my finger from a kid trying to stab me with a pencil. Um, they kicked me in the face. I had glasses, so it cut my face up when my glasses broke. Um, so I was getting pretty beat down, like five or six kids doing it. And I remember laying there and I was like looking up while I was laying on the floor getting stomped out. And I saw two teachers standing there doing nothing about it. They just stood there and watched. And the kids beat me for five minutes. They beat me from the time the bell rang for class to be out. Till the next bell rang for the next
0: class to be in. It's a long time. And, um, it, was, it was a while. You five minutes for yeah. people who are listening, five minutes fighting is a long time. And yeah, five minutes losing is
1: even longer. And that's <laughs> even longer. <laughs> so I, But after the second bell rang, they all ran away. And a friend of mine who was late to the class, um, I could see him like off in the distance and he was coming up and he walked up and he helped me up and he walked me to the nurse's office. And he handed me a card and it was a card for a martial arts class, like one of those free trial classes. And he said the words, you need this. (laughs) And I was like, yes, I do. And then so like, I went back home that night, talked to my mom about it. And I was like, hey, I'd really like to do this. My mom is not one to say maybe. She's a yes or no person. But that night she said maybe. Um, And she had never allowed me to do any other sports because she was worried that if I got hit or hurt, that I would have to redo some of my surgeries, which at the time was completely a, a, a true thing that could happen. Right. And then, uh, that next month was my birthday and my gift was, uh, she paid in full for an entire year, uh, for karate classes. And that night on my birthday, I was in classes, my first class. So every year on my birthday, I celebrate another year in the industry.
0: I love that. Love that, man. Love that. Do you train on your birthday as well? Like I do I, I, every year. I make sure I, if I haven't done it, I make sure that day I'm doing something.
1: It just depends, man. Like, you know, I've been at this for 25 years. So it's like, Long you know, night. every year that rolls by, I just kind of go with the flow. Like if there's a class going on, I'll go to the class. If like there's nothing going on, then I'm like, all
0: right, I'll go hang out That's with my friends that. or something. <laughs> it's like- I love that, man. I love that. You have a very genuine energy, too. I love that. Um, any um, any future plans for McDojo Life? Anything big coming up? Any Anyone you want to shout out as we sort of get to the conclusion of this episode here? Anything you want to say about uh, what McDojo Life has meant to you? And I guess uh, any future plans?
1: Well, um, first of all, I'm grateful for all the people who support what I do because it's a very thankless job most of the time. Yes, and, yes. and for every person I call out, I have to deal with all of their followers. I have to deal with them. I have to deal with like, yeah, possible, yeah. You know, possible legal, legal repercussions, depending on what I'm doing, what I'm talking about. So it's like a very stressful job. Yeah, but yeah. when I get like, you know, people who are grateful for what I do and say thank you, that means everything to me. So the support is truly appreciated because I would not do this shit if it wasn't for people who <laughs> were like who were helping in some way. Um, but coming up, we actually filmed a documentary about fakes, frauds, ponies, time men and pedophiles in the martial arts industry. Great. Um, and so we filmed that for about three months at the beginning of last year. We're now working on distribution. We finally got picked up by one of the top three talent agencies in the world. They literally start shopping our film around to different networks uh, starting next Wednesday. And so once they start shopping it around, our ultimate goal is to get more funding. And we're looking, we're kind of like, we're kind of teetering the fence between if we want it to be a documentary or docu-series. A lot of people now have been saying, dude, you got to turn this into a docu-series. People would love it. So, but the problem is, is like, we're talking rather than like $800,000 budget, which we're asking for the movie, we're now talking about millions of dollars for a budget. So like, we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, I hope that once that documentary comes out, that people can look forward to seeing it, that hopefully it'll open up a lot of people's eyes outside of the martial arts industry. So that way, when they do go, they have more tools and they're better armed with information to pick a good instructor to make sure that they're in a healthy environment and a safe environment, especially for their kids who are in the arts.
0: Beautiful, man. That's that's an amazing, uh, amazing plan, amazing Mm -hmm. message. Um, Again, you're in the sixth episode if everyone's looking on Deadly Art of Survival magazine, which is the number one martial arts magazine in the world by uh, Sheehan Ingram. So you can find you here um, in this magazine. Yo, I had a great, fantastic time talking to you, man. I've really learned a lot. Um, Not many, not many conversations with people are uh, conversations where I pick up something new. This was completely something new about something that I love to do. I just love martial arts. I love giving people a great experience it seems like you guys are all about that over there so uh keep going yeah my full support thank you for thank doing you work. thank you for doing what you do and uh this is the end of our podcast mcdojo life rob thank you so much we appreciate you man thank you All we're out